All right. Come on, let's give a hand for the Lego movie. Awesome. I love that movie at a very deep level. How many of you played with Legos as a kid or Lego as a kid? For anybody that's worried about the plural of that, it's not Legos, it's Lego, whatever. I love Lego. I played with Lego and uh, as kind of an introverted kid, it was awesome because I had you know Lego pirate ship. I had a castle. I had all this different Lego until my siblings came along and then it all becomes the, the one pile, the one bucket of Lego. You know what I mean? Eventually, everyone just has a bucket of Lego in their closet somewhere. Now, if you have a smart mom, uh, which everyone does. Anyways, your mom puts a blanket in it, right? And then you put the Lego inside. Then when you pull it out, you can set it down and you have it right there on a blanket. Did you think about that? That's a good idea. That's why you come to church to learn stuff. Yeah, uh, Lego, really awesome. And uh, I do have to tell a slightly embarrassing story about a, a man who was probably 19 or 20 years old who stole his brother's lego project for school it may or may not but definitely was me um because i do have a deep love for lego and building things and my brother johnny he was 10 years younger than me i think he was nine or ten he was assigned one of the coolest projects in school that i'd ever heard of he had to build a historical monument out of lego how cool is that basically for your your education today you get to play with toys um that's awesome and uh and so anyways johnny decided he's going to build the pyramid of Giza, the Great Pyramid. And so um, my mom said, hey, will you help your brother when you get back from work today or whatever? Will you help him with this project knowing that they were my Lego? Wasn't allowed to touch them. Even at 20, I was maybe a little possessive, slightly of my Lego. But anyways, uh, even with my kids today, I'm like, put it away, put it away right. Don't leave it out. But uh, anyways, uh, I went with Johnny and uh, he was kind of working on it, doing it wrong. So I took over the project and I built the most amazing pyramid. He got a great grade. So he was happy, really killed it. And this thing opened up from the top and it had a sarcophagus inside. For a, I didn't have a Lego you know, mummy, but if I did, it would have gone in there. And Lego is awesome. So totally stole my brother's project. I would do it again. I'm not sorry. I'm not, I'm not telling you this to clear my conscience. It's just awesome. Um, but the coolest thing about Lego is that really, whether they were built in the 50s, a piece of, you know, something from the 50s or in the 2000s, they just work, right? They're designed to connect it together. And so anybody can, can show up at a pile of Lego and you sort of have this pure possibility of creativity to do something awesome, right? Everything is awesome. And uh, as long as you don't step on a Lego in the middle of the night, they're really, really cool. But whether you are just a kid, a creative kid, or you're an, a, a master Lego artist, there's this unlimited potential to do something really cool. So uh, show the picture of my kids. I had them build Lego this week to show you their creations. I don't know what Jack's thinking about right now, but it's, he's up to no good. I can tell you that right now. And so Evie built a flying house, really cool. Uh, Jack built a, uh, looks like a car with a ramp and some appendage. And, um, you know, uh, just like they show in the book. And then what is it? It's a spaceship. Okay, awesome spaceship. And Penny built a block. A, uh, I don't know exactly what it is, but it's awesome. And they're really proud of it. So didn't they get a good job? Give them a hand. And I love it because I'll come home, you know, from work and the kids will be like, hey, we built this or we want to show you dad. And, and it's a really, really cool thing. As long as they're not fighting, we're happy. They're, they're playing with Lego, but this is awesome. So whether you're just a creative kid, you can get something out of it at that level. But then check out these next ones. These people are like master artists. This is a Lego Bugatti and it drives. Built out of Lego, pretty crazy. And that's real. It's kind of hard to see on the screen there, but yeah, it's actually built out of Lego, including the interior. 
That's a Lego X-Wing and it flies. You can actually blow up Death Stars with it. Um, you can't guys, I'm just making jokes. You can't really. And then over here we have life-size Lego people that haunt my dreams. That's weird. But anyways, these people are master builders. Like it's incredible to go from what you can do as a kid and it's awesome, it's fun, it's exciting. And then to see the possibility with the same toy, right? The same building block, it's really cool. And so I think that's so amazing about Lego that whatever level you're at, you can get involved, you can have fun, you can build, it's exciting, it's, it, there's possibility there. And it's exactly how it is as a follower of Jesus. When you're in the kingdom of God, when you, when you give your life to Jesus and you begin to follow him, whatever level that you're at, whether you're at that bottom level, just as a kid approaching Lego, like as just create, creating fun stuff, or at this master level, whether you've been following Jesus for five minutes or 50 years, there's always a place to get involved. There's always something that you can do. There's always possibility in front of you. So as a follower of Jesus, you might go through hard things. You might go through challenges. But really, as a follower of Jesus, you should wake up. You should never wake up on any day and say, I have no purpose or I'm just bored. There's nothing for me to do. Because with God, there's always a next step when you're following Jesus. There's always something to be a part of when it comes to God's kingdom. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about this word discipleship and what we call the mission of Jesus. Discipleship and the mission of Jesus. And that word discipleship is kind of a religious word. Maybe when you hear me say that, you think, okay, I, I kind of get it. I, I don't really, but I'm going to demystify it. I want to break it down and just talk about what our mission is as followers of Jesus and how we can get involved at whatever level we are at currently. So how many of you would be honest with me today and say, I've heard this before in church or in a book or uh, on TV, TV preacher or YouTube or something, but like, we need to make disciples. How many of you have heard that before? Okay, a bunch of you. We, we need to make disciples. And how many of you, when you hear that, you're like, yeah, we need to make disciples. How many of you would be like, yeah, that's, that's right. I grew up in church uh, hearing this message. I grew up in church. My parents are pastors. Some of my very earliest memories are laying on a pew. A pew is a, is a big bench, a dusty old bench that's usually uncomfortable that it makes you love Jesus more, apparently. Um, anyways, the pew, totally overstayed people laugh at that joke, but uh, uh, the pew, you know, is uh, this big bench that people would sit on before chairs were invented, I guess. And uh, I remember looking up in my dad's church uh, at the glue lamb beams. And what's awesome is our new building uh, has glue lamb beams. Uh, really cool. Skate world. We opened up the ceiling and there's these awesome beams in there and uh, really, really exciting. And I, I remember looking up at those beams and I heard so many messages, so many messages growing up about, we need to, to make disciples. That's our mission as followers of Jesus. We need to go into all the world and we need to make disciples. And everybody would be like, yeah. But if we're really honest, uh, and even for me, a lot of how I've sort of lived my life and thought, um, we kind of maybe don't really know exactly what that means, right? Like if you're honest and somebody's like, we're supposed to make disciples. And we're like, yeah, well, what exactly does that entail, right? What is that exactly does that mean? And then furthermore, do you even have a clue? Like, do we have a clue of even where to start with that? Because it's one thing to like shout out religious sounding stuff on Sunday, but when it's Monday morning and there's a four-year-old uh, sitting on your face when you wake up, it's sort of rubber meets the road. Come on, when you get up on Monday and you feel like if I don't get a cup of coffee, someone's going to pay, uh, it's a little different. Like, what does discipleship mean in plain language? Like, what does this really mean? And how do we do this? So what I want to do today is I just want to make it dead simple. I just want to make it easy, just like Lego. 
Lego, it just works. Whether it's the 50s or the 2000s, like you just get the blocks and you can do something with it. I want to bring discipleship down to this level. I want to demystify it and talk about our mission as followers of Jesus, what God has called us to do. Let me give you a really easy definition here. Discipleship is this, very simply. Discipleship is helping someone follow Jesus. That's it. Helping someone follow Jesus. If you're following Jesus, if you're walking with him, if you're pursuing him, if you're walking in life with Jesus, all all discipleship is, when you hear this word, we need to make disciples, it just means you're helping someone else do what you're doing. That's it. It's very, very simple. So we're even going to make it even more simple. Let's dig in a little. Let's get into the scripture where this actually comes from. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 18. In Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 18, the, the context of this is Jesus has just finished his ministry. He's finished doing all of the awesome stuff he did for three and a half years, where he healed sick people and he spoke these messages that were pretty powerful, that spoke to people in their own language. And he multiplied uh, the bread and the fishes. And Jesus, you know, raised Lazarus from the dead. And then Jesus himself has been raised from the dead and it's come back, like pretty amazing stuff. So this is Jesus right before he ascends into heaven. He's just finished all this incredible stuff, this incredible ministry. And it says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. This is my favorite verse. I quote it to my kids. Good morning. I'm your father and I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth, at least in this household. Come on. Uh, The people are like, that's weird. Okay, so anyways. I've been given all authority in heaven on earth. And then he says, therefore, which just means because of what I just said, listen to this next thing, go and make disciples of all the nations. So this is where we get this word disciple. This is where we get this idea about discipleship. Jesus says, go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So we go, okay, okay. So baptism is a part of this. Okay, it matters. It's important. Jesus said it. Verse 20, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. So this thing about obedience, let me just take a quick rabbit trail here. One of the things that we have perhaps lost in the modern Christian definition of what it means to follow Jesus is this little tiny word called obedience. See, we all have our own special definition. People read the Bible, they're like, well, this verse, that means something to you, but this is what it means to me. Well, that's special, but it's not true. How many of you know if we could all invent our own translations, there'd be a lot of things we got away with. I love to eat buffets and not stop. Just keep going, right? He said it's all you can eat. Yes, yeah, sir, you're going to die. <laughs> Put the crab legs down, sir. You know, sir. There's a lot of things that I wish I could just do and just give myself to, except for there's this tiny little problem is that God has an opinion about what you and I should do with our life. He cares. He says there's a right way to live and a wrong way to live. And, the, and, the, and when we come up with our own creative definitions, it's chaos, it's anarchy, it's problematic. It's like God cares about what we do. So Jesus said, yeah, I've given you some commands. This isn't very American, is it? We have freedom. We can do what we want. It's land of the free, home of the brave, home of the chicken wing. <laughs> Chuck Norris didn't say that, you know. Bald eagles, fireworks, America. Like we live in this, culture that is actually kind of directly in opposition to what Jesus was about, which is, hey, there's, there's like a right way to live. And I want to I share that with you. And, and Jesus isn't judgmental or legalistic. Like he has grace and forgiveness for us as we sort of all fall short. Come on. 
But he did say in this passage, teach these new disciples. So if you're thinking about following Jesus, I just want to warn you. Um, it's amazing, but you have, but like there's change like, involved. God actually loves you just as you are, but he wants us to like change from the inside out. And he provides the grace and the power and the spirit to do that. But there's this aspect that as we're talking about asking people to become disciples, inviting people to follow Jesus, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And then he finishes off with this incredible line. He says, and be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And then he was like, flew up into heaven. Everybody thinks he went slow. I don't think so. Because everything is awesome, right? When you're part of a team. I think Jesus was like, like rocking it up. But that's just my personal, <laughs> which is where I get my theology that we're going to all fly in heaven. Okay, so have grace on my poor theology. Jesus says, I'm with you always. Listen, the beautiful thing about following Jesus is you're never alone. He, he, you say, well, yeah, but I've made all these mistakes. Even as a Christian, I've messed it up. I've, I've hurt people. I've said the wrong stuff. I even preached sermons I wish I had preached and said stuff and led a group. And what did I do that? And I said this and did that. And Jesus says, you know what? I'm with you. Like you belong to me. Like I'm, I'm here for you. I'm never going to let you go. So this is, this is where we get this discipleship concept out of this verse. Now, let me give you this passage broken down in the um, not inspired, but, but, but still a fun Jake Schmelzer version of this verse, okay? So this is my translation. So here's what Jesus is saying here in, in plain modern English. He's saying, guys, you know how I'm the man? You know how I'm the bee's knees? I'm the boss. I'm the ultra Lord. I'm awesome. Uh, you guys know how all authority has been given to me? You know how you watched me for years, like heal people and do miracles and feed multitudes and you guys know how, uh, like I literally rose from the dead. You see that happening very often. I have all the authority. I, I listen to what I'm saying. That's what Jesus is saying in verse 18. I've been given all authority. All the power is mine. Like I'm, my word is definitive, what I say. And he says, because of that, therefore, because of that, you guys saw how I showed you insane love and grace. Jesus was amazing. Like he forgave people, people that were in, in deep sin, and, and deeply broken people could come and spend time with Jesus and he would eat with them and he would talk to them and, and, and people wanted to be around him, like his love and his grace. And so he's telling his disciples, like in, in light of all of this, how I taught you guys how to treat each other and, and other people and how I taught you how to treat other people like I treated you. Okay, because of all that, this is where the discipleship thing comes in. He says, I want you to help other people get connected with me also. This is what discipleship is. Discipleship is Jesus saying, everything I did for you Everything that I came to do to get you reconnected to God. See, Jesus showed up and he, and he found a bunch of broken people, specifically his 12 disciples, but all the people that he ministered to and everyone he ministers to now are broken people, have issues, have problems. Jesus came and he said, look, God loves you and his kingdom is open to you. You can like be with God. You don't have to be separated anymore. Your sin isn't gonna separate you from God. There's going to be a, a way, there's a way for you to have access. And then Jesus himself gave his life to make that possible. But, this, but what, he, what he did, he came to get us reconnected with God. And this whole thing about discipleship, this dead simple definition of helping other people follow Jesus, he's saying, what I did for you, help other people experience it too. What I did in your life, the grace, the love, how, what I taught you, like just pass it on to another person. This is what discipleship is. Jesus came to get us reconnected with God. We were separated and lost because of our sin, because of our failures because of our past, because of things that we did and things that others did to us, like all of this brokenness in, around us that disconnected us from God. And Jesus came and said, I'm connecting and I'm giving you the same mission. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 
Verse 20, there was a guy named Paul. He was another disciple of Jesus, uh, an apostle. He went around the known world at the time, and he started churches, and he, and he connected people with God. And he says it this way. He says, we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ, and we plead, come back to God. So what is an ambassador? An ambassador is a representative of a, of a country or nation that goes to foreign soil, establishes a home base, right, which becomes the sovereign soil of that nation, and their word carries the agenda and the effect and the power and the appeal of the nation they represent. So if we send an ambassador, somebody yelled out Romania in the first, um, first uh, service, you know, if we send an ambassador to Ro Romania, right, Romania, I have a friend named Pastor Ted Chichui and Jake, so good to see you. Ah, it's great to have you here in Aradia, Romania. I've been to Romania. That's exactly how it sounds. So take my word on it. Um, if we send an ambassador to the nation of Romania and the Romanians attack our embassy, which they wouldn't do because they're awesome and we're friends with them, but if they attack our embassy, if they attack our ambassador, it's an attack upon our sovereign soil. Paul says, listen, we're Christ ambassadors. Like we're establishing a home base on foreign soil planet earth right that that right now is under the dominion and rule of of evil brokenness and god has an agenda that he wants us to carry forth god has an agenda which is what we're speaking for him when we plead come back come back to god did you know that god is willing that none should perish maybe the way that god's been described to you or has been represented to you by maybe well-meaning or not well-meaning christians or people of faith or whatever is that God basically wants nothing to do with you uh, and that he basically is angry at you or always mildly disappointed in you actually is not true in the same way that I deeply love my children, no matter what they do, even when they do bad stuff, I, I always long for our relationship to be whole and healed. Doesn't mean there's not confrontation, doesn't mean there's not discipline, but the heart motivation, the root motivation of a true father to a true son or a true daughter is always connection, relationship, love. And in the same way, God wants to be connected with you and with I and with everybody around us. Come on. So when we talk about God's love, this is, what, this is what Paul's saying. We are making this appeal. We represent Jesus when we say, come back to God. So this is what discipleship is. And I just want to demystify it. I want to give you a couple thoughts and then we'll beat all the other churches to the best restaurants. Demystifying discipleship. Number one, and I think this is going to be helpful for some people. You were designed for discipleship. Discipleship is not something that you have to go to school for five years and get into the intricacies and learn everything about what discipleship is. And here's the, the four letters that describe the spiritual journey and the pathway and all this kind of stuff. Actually, you have inherited in your genetics, in your physical makeup, in your spiritual makeup, in your emotional makeup, in your communication, like you have the capacity and the ability for discipleship just because just like Lego, we were made to connect with God and each other. So if you go back to the Garden of Eden, when God creates everything, it says Adam, his first creation is the, uh, of a human being, walked and talked with God. In the garden, there was relationship and connection. The default status and state of a human being is actually to be connected with God, not disconnected. Which is why most of us always feel in the back of our minds like something's a little bit wrong with the world. You know what I mean? It's like being at a hotel when the toilet won't stop running and you're like, this isn't right. There's something bothering me. This is a true story, right? I mean, I had to call the front desk. Like, could you come do plumbing at two in the morning? Because um, I can't sleep, you know? We're aware there's like something, a buzz, something that's sort of bothering us in the back of our universe. It's because the world, it says creation actually groans to be redeemed and reconciled. Like the world that we live in and see is not the world God created and designed. 
And so people that are disconnected from God, they long to be reconnected because it's our default state. It's like being a fish out of water. And so we're made to connect with God, but we're also made to connect with other people. Even though Adam in the garden had God, God said it's not good for man to be alone. So he separated Adam out and he created Eve. She's called woman because she came out of man. And God set her as a counterpart an equal, different, but equal. And together they were the image of God. And there's always been a connection, connection. And, and we're designed for relationship. This isn't something you learn. This isn't something you, you, you have to go to, to grad school for. Like this is something you were literally designed to do. So when we talk about discipleship, and maybe you're sitting here today and you're going, well, yeah, I want to make disciples, but like, I can't. Well, it's impossible to, to can't. That grammar is impossible. But anyways, you were designed for discipleship. Like literally you couldn't shake it off if you wanted to because you were made to connect with God and you were made to connect with other people. So number two thought is this, because you were designed for discipleship, you also have everything you need already. You know, one of the things I love about Lego is whether you're the master builder or you're my kids or me, and you sit down at a pile of Legos, hopefully you don't put your knee on it because then you'll be experiencing excruciating pain. But you sit down at a pile of Legos, you don't need any more tools. All the tools are there. You just start building something. And whether you're good or bad or whatever level you're at, like there's something you can create. And in the same way, discipleship isn't about what level you're at, how mature, how much you know, whatever. You already have all the tools you need. So we talk about words like evangelism, which means you know, winning people to Jesus or inviting people to come and follow Jesus. And we make it really big and scary. Like, how do you evangelize? Like you have to go to school to learn how to evangelize. Words like discipleship, what does that mean? We have to learn all this stuff. No, let me just tell you, you have everything you need. So let's break this down. The, the dead simple, staples, easy button, uh, Lego level uh, definition of evangelism, okay? Have you ever told someone about a restaurant you liked or that you like? You ever done that? So let me, let me just say like, Bethany and I, we go on a date every Friday night if we can find a babysitter. And, which is hard. Also babysitters are mafia, man. They, it's like extortion and racket. Anyways, no offense, babysitters. They're expensive. But anyways, um, it's like people, I have you know, a PhD in babysitting. I pay you this much. Anyways, um, <laughs> where's Marissa at? She's worth it though. Where's she at? Okay. She's worth it. She's babysitting. Yeah. She's how much are we paying her? <laughs> okay. Um, sorry, I get distracted, <laughs> but I like it. Hopefully you do too. So we go on a date night every Friday night. And, uh, one of our favorite places in town is a place called Placido's pasta shop. Anybody been to Placido's? Man, this place needs to pay me for marketing because I'm going to get a lot of people to go there today. I'll tell you why. Plus, I'm Sicilian, so you can trust what I say about Italian food. You know what I'm saying? I know what I'm talking about. Forget about it. I can mumble my words like the best of them. I'm Sicilian. I uh, grew up, you know, eating delicious Italian food, and we have located God's gift to this city in the form of Italian food called Placido's Pasta Shop. We went there on Friday night. They come by, they tell you a special that makes your, you literally start to drool when they're talking. Um, the waiter can say the word uh, over a, such and such a base, and it makes you like, oh, I wonder what that's like. Twitter paid And I ended up ordering the smoked chicken ravioli with the pesto cream sauce. And guys, I'm telling you, there is the right amount of smoked chicken in, in the ravioli. Every inch of the noodle is cooked to perfection, not too hard, not too soft. There's a roasty, nutty, creamy, pesto-y sauce that goes over the top, and the Parmesan cheese gets melted over the top. So you get the nuttiness of the Parmesan, and mm, it all works together 
for such an incredible moment. And Bethany gets the arabiata. And the arabiata is this like vibrant red tomato sauce with spices and herbs. And then they put this spicy Italian sausage in. And so you get a bite and it's bright and vibrant in your mouth. And then the heat kind of hits the back of your throat. And then it finishes off with this like roasted tomato flavor. And it's really dense and delicious over a perfectly cooked penne pasta. How many of you want Italian food today? That was our dinner on Friday night. Can I tell you what I just did to you? I just evangelized you. You are all evangelized. <laughs> You've been completely evangelized and evangelized and re-evangelized if you needed to be. That is evangelism. Hey, I went somewhere. It was awesome. It was delicious. It was good. You should try it. Is that weird? No, maybe, maybe a little bit. The way I talk about food is kind of gross, maybe, but... <laughs> People, we, we turn evangelism into this crazy thing like, oh, let me tell you about my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the nine forms of salvation and the five pathways that you, like, wh what are you doing? Stop. If you ever feel, if you ever pull up to a, a coffee shop and your palms are sweaty and you feel religious compulsion and guilt to tell somebody about Jesus because you're worried you're going to go to hell if you don't win people to Jesus, stop yourself. Order a coffee, move along. You're not ready. You know what I mean? Calm down. If, if, if your armpits are all sweaty and you're doing that, you know, like just you're, stop yourself and move on. Evangelism is simply telling somebody good news about something you like, you enjoy, and that's evangelism. And so when it comes to Jesus, when I tell people about Jesus, it's not like, would you like to know about Jesus? You know, he lived 2,000 years ago. He's this historical figure. Some people depict him as a man with long flowing hair, but probably not because he was Middle Eastern. And I go to church and we have these covenants and creeds and theology. And also, if you believe the same things I believe, you could probably be saved, which means like that's boring. It's not going to work. Like what I tell people about is like, well, you know, the, the reality is like I was lost. I mean, I didn't have hope and I do now because of Jesus. Well, what does that even mean? Well, I just know him. It, 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 you're telling somebody about something you like. That's evangelism. How many of you are like, okay, I got it. If you've done that, you've evangelized. If you've told somebody about a restaurant, if you've told somebody about a movie that you saw, about a band you like, about a concert you went to that was good, you've evangelized. That's what evangelism is. That's what telling people about Jesus is supposed to look like. Now, let me just stop you for a second here. You see, the reason I can tell you about Placidos is because I go to Placidos. I enjoy Placidos. I love it. I like it. And so I want to talk about it. A lot of Christians, you know why you struggle with evangelism? Because you don't really like Jesus. You don't really have a vibrant, expressive, dynamic, interactive relationship with Jesus. So it makes it very hard to fake telling somebody out of guilt and duty why they should like this thing that you don't really like. You see, real evangelism is the overflow of God's dynamic power and grace and love working on the inside of you that you can't stop but talk about. So maybe the first step in the first person you need to preach the gospel to is yourself. Get in the mirror in the morning and say, Jesus died for your sins and rescued and ransomed you because you have worth and value. You were made on purpose and for a purpose, Jake. You've got something to offer the world. Man, isn't Jesus good? Isn't he good to you? Don't you believe in his love? Don't you receive it? And as you begin to get a revelation of the goodness of Jesus, let me tell you right now, you're going to be dangerous to the kingdom of hell. Evangelism, discipleship, very simply, have you ever taught someone a skill or passed on any information to help them take their next step at all in any way in life? If so, you've discipled. Helping someone take their next step. As a parent, Bethany and I, we are discipling our children all the time. This is how you watch. 
two squares. When you're more advanced, you can do the rip and tuck. But right now, two squares, fold it over. Don't abuse your privileges. <laughs> Toilet paper and free, man. Come on. It's discipleship. Penny, hand him his toothbrush. That's not Penny. That's not your toothbrush, Penny. Penny, if you brush with his toothbrush, Penny, if you brush with his toothbrush. Look at me, Penny. Eyes right here, Penny. Penny, that's Jack's toothbrush. You need to, you need to use your own toothbrush because there's germs. Okay, germs are these little bugs. No, they're not on your toothbrush. You don't need to worry about <laughs> Discipleship, right? You're just teaching someone something. So if you have been following Jesus for five minutes, if you've read one page of the Bible, you can help somebody go from where they are to where you are now. Well, I have to go to school for nine years to learn how to be a disciple maker and learn the seven passageways of the four spiritual gates of the seven winds of the north. Okay. You have everything you need already. All of the tools are in your hands, which leads us to number three. You can start right away. Now, last week I shared with you the 3D discipleship process. Discover, deploy, develop. And if you were here because you're a real Christian and you love Jesus and you're going to heaven and you were at church on Sunday, then you heard this. But if not, I'll fill you guys in and there's grace for you, I guess. 3D discipleship process. Discover, deploy, develop. As we discover who Jesus is, we begin to taste and see that he is good. We begin to connect with the reality of what he's doing in our life. Then right away, we can be deployed. We can begin to serve and love and share what we know and, and help people take their next step. And then in that process of being deployed and serving and loving and disciple, discipling people and talking to people about our faith, we actually are developed. Because when you start deploying this, God begins to develop you. Your, your maturity begins to increase because all of a sudden somebody that you're serving is being really immature. And you're like, that's really immature. How did I know that's immature? Oh my gosh, I'm old. You ever have these realizations? Sometimes I wake up and I'm, there's like a kid on my face. And I look over and Bethany and I have been married for 13 years. And I'm like, how did I become a, like a middle-aged person? You know, I'm in my thirties, but to me, it feels middle-aged. Some of you are like, stop it. Because as I was serving and living and loving and marrying this beautiful woman we have these beautiful kids they just continue to get older and every day a new question and a new challenge comes and i get a little bit more mature and a little bit more wise hopefully as i am deployed in being a husband a father right so how do you grow as a christian you live as a christian how do you grow as a follower of jesus you walk as a follower of jesus and the maturity happens the development happens on the journey so now is the time to start making disciples not tomorrow today talked about this last week. You can never do something tomorrow. There's no such thing. You can only ever do something right now. There is no such thing. That's a, it's an abstract construct. The idea, I'll do it tomorrow. No, when tomorrow comes, it's now. And so now is the time. Today is the day to put this into action. If you are a follower of Jesus, you can start doing this right now. This morning, if you're here and you have not yet started your journey of following Jesus, I just want to quickly invite you to take your very first step as a follower of Jesus. Maybe right now you're kind of hesitant. You're like, well, here's this preacher and he's going to like evangelize me. He's going to do that voodoo on me and make me think a certain thing. No, I don't actually have any mojo. Um, I'm actually just a, a, a sinner saved by grace. I don't have any magical powers to convince you or persuade you other than to say as much as I love Italian food, I would give every ounce of Italian food into the garbage if it meant I had to trade it for Jesus because my relationship with Jesus is the core thing 
the main thing of my life. Even my wife, my kids, you guys, the relationships I have, my house, like all my stuff, I would trade it all for Christ because without him, I'm nothing and I have nothing and I have nothing to offer. And so what I wanna invite you to do is just to experience his grace and his love for yourself. Not through an intellectual, just, okay, I'll just believe what you believe. No, but like actually meet Jesus. Well, how does that work? Well, I don't exactly know. I think it's kind of spiritual and intellectual and blend and emotion, everything. But what you do is you just trust, you believe in Jesus. You, you kind of turn over control internally, that switch where like you're the boss, you sort of flip it over to like, I'm gonna trust Jesus and listen to him and, and walk with him on this journey. And then you just stop trusting in your own goodness or like to get you to heaven. You stop trusting in your own ability to figure everything out and you give Jesus control. If that's you today, then you really wanna put your faith in Jesus for real not just intellectually, but for real. You want to follow him. Let's all bow our heads and close our eyes. You're like, Pastor Jake, I want to do this for real, authentically, actually, tangibly. I want to know that Jesus that you're talking about, that real Jesus, the one that is calling people, that's calling someone like me. If that's you today and you want to put your faith and trust in Jesus, would you raise your hand right now where I can see? Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Lots of people, lots of people. Anybody else? I want to follow Jesus for real. Not not just the God of religion, not just what I think Christianity is, not just what I think it means to follow Jesus, but I want to like know him for real. Anybody in this place? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I want to follow Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray this prayer together. Just pray it with sincerity today. Dear Jesus, put my faith and trust in you and nothing else. Thank you for your grace and mercy revealed to me at your cross where you gave your life for me and made a way for me to be reconciled with God. I give you my life, all of me, in Jesus' name. Amen.